with me. Lord, we ask you to open up our hearts, our ears, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, everything. Not to me, not to a man's opinions, not to the ramblings of a person, but to the word of God and to the voice of the spirit. Open us up, Lord, right now. Bring in conviction, bring in revelation. We desire you, Lord, and we desire your presence. We ask you for all this in Jesus' name. One more time, we shout. Amen. Amen. Let me launch right from where I was at last week. Now, we were talking about knowledge last week, but we're going to change subjects in just a minute. But I want to finish with this because it sets up the next part. Back to Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, don't forget the second part of the verse. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. Every single day you don't pray, don't prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship, you're actually rejecting knowledge that's available to you. Every single day you don't study the word, you're actually rejecting revelation. You're actually rejecting the dispelling of unbelief. You're rejecting knowledge. So every day, plant yourself in the word of God. It's not about not having enough time, it's about what you prioritize. Don't reject it, amen? Amen. We're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Instead of proclaiming things, this is where I left off last week, we're out of Romans chapter four, verse three, let God be true and every man a liar. Instead of gaining knowledge, what most people do is conform to the pattern of the world. Instead Instead of saying, let God be true and every man a liar, Romans 3, 4, I think I just said 4, 3, but it's 3, 4. Let God be true and every man a liar. Instead of proclaiming that over every situation, if you are diagnosed with arthritis, is it true? It's true, but not in comparison to God. So God's truth heals you. So you say, let God be true and every man a liar. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if you got a blown ACL. I don't care if you got depression, anxiety, whatever it may be. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's what you do, including yourself. Many people need to actually say to themselves, let God be true, and, I'm, and if I'm not gonna speak that, then I'm the liar. If you say things like, well, you know, God can heal, but I don't know if he will heal, that's a lie. Let God be true, and you stop lying. If you say, you know what, poor, being poor, or being in lack is an attribute, You need to tell yourself to stop lying. Let God's word be true and every man a liar. Don't conform to the pattern of the world, but that's what most people do. And what is the pattern of the world? What is, what exactly, I have a list here, of course. What is the pattern of the world? I have my own list, you may have your own. Jesus in moderation is the pattern of the world. Well, you know, I I like Jesus, but in moderation. No, no, there's, there's no moderation. He's a consuming fire. How is there moderation when God Almighty and Jesus and the Holy Ghost are consuming fires? There's no moderation. He doesn't do miracles anymore. That's the world system. Why is it that the church has adopted the world's system in contradiction to Romans 12 too, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world? Jesus in moderation, he doesn't do miracles. You should be sitting in expectation of the miraculous 24-7. You need to risk being disappointed. Well, if it doesn't happen. Why are you, liar? Let God be true and every man a liar. You need to risk it. 
I do it all the time. And listen, sometimes I fail because of unbelief, and sometimes I succeed. Most of the time I succeed. And the, and the percentages keep going up. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'm in the word of God. Another form of the pattern of this world is that there's no power today. It's not true. I'm going to show you in a minute that our entire, if you want to call it a religion, which it's not, our entire relationship with God is a transfer of power from him to you. It's not a transfer of love. We are to operate in love, but, but what's been transferred to us is power and authority. Everybody think love, 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 love. That's because, Tom, you're not good at love. That's not really true. People think it, but it's not really true. Love governs me because God is love, but understand it's the true version of love. 1 John 4, 16, God is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, that's the definition of love. That version of love governs me. Not the worldly version, not the capitulating version, not the accommodating, tolerating version, not the enabling version, not the truth avoidance version. Well, it's very loving to just not tell people they're going to hell. How is that loving? Here's another version. He's weaker than the devil. Most people, listen, I'm telling you, that's how most Christians act. And that's what the world believes. Why are, why are these theologies being adopted by the church? Because for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. God's word is actually offensive to them out of Joshua 24, 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, telling someone they're going else seems evil to you. Does Jesus not say it? Hell is discussed more in the Bible than heaven is. So you have to understand the pattern of the world. Now, if you watch the podcast, you've probably heard me espouse this, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. And I may have said it last week, I just can't remember. You ever notice how everybody is inextricably linked? Look, look at this. If you are pro-Hamas, you are pro-mask. You're like, Tom, there's exceptions. There's always exceptions. I'm just telling you, this is how it works. And I'm talking about the pattern of the world. If you're a pro-trans, you're a gun grabber. You're anti-Second Amendment. If you're pro-climate hoax, you believe that 0.03% of the atmosphere is a threat to you? That's CO2. 0.03% of the atmosphere, which is less than it was 1,000 years ago. Which is, which is, less, which is uh, less than it was before man was on the earth. You're pro-climate hoax, you're pro-lockdown. They're all the same. If you're pro-abortion, you're pro-vaccination in more than one way. If you're pro-lawlessness, you're pro-vaccine mandates and global passes and biometric cards. They're all, that's because it's a pattern of the world. It is groupthink. When, you, when I say the world, I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about a pattern, a way of thinking, an actual demonic theology, the antithesis of the gospel, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of the antichrist is the spirit of the world. And they all are linked together. It's, you can always distinguish, they're pro-trans, they're pro-abortion. 
Because they have joined in to one group think, one mindset. And you need to be very careful. I am giving you guys all these verses. It's not your fault in the back. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, you need to not let anything in. Don't let anything in. For a little leaven, your glory, notice how this verse starts. Your glorying is not good. What, is, what, what does that mean? Your glorying is not good. Because you are, actually, you, you are actually comparing your opinion or esteeming your opinion over the word of God. Or even, even letting your opinion compete with the word of God. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? You start being pro any of these things? If you let anything that is the antithesis of the word of God into your mind, the whole lump is looking to be leavened. Remember that. Don't let things into your home. I marvel at the things that people allow in their home. Don't let them in. How many of you still have kids living in your home? Don't let it in. Especially don't let in hypocrisy. You want your kids not to be saved? If you don't want them saved, then be a hypocrite. If you want them saved, don't, don't be one. In any way, shape, or form. And through that conforming that most Christians do, they conform in some way. Jesus in moderation. He doesn't do miracles today. You know, there's no, that, that power stuff, no, it's not real, you know. Just, just love, you know, just love. And, you know, there's an ambiguous will of God that will just unfold no matter what you do. It's not true. Yet you have not because you ask, ask not. Blows that argument out of the water. People just say an ambiguous will of God is just going to occur. Yet you have not because you ask not infers that you are supposed to have things. But because you don't ask, you don't have. Therefore, the will of God is not unfolding in your life. It's all James 4, too. But instead, what happens is they proclaim it doesn't work. How many, how many of you have actually thought that or said that in your life? I have. It's not working. I've prayed. It's not working. And then they form a heresy around that statement. Then they form a heresy supporting that statement. Doesn't work, you know. There's entire denominations of quote-unquote Christianity that are absolute heresy. God doesn't do miracles today? Where's that in the Bible? So you made that up and then formed a supporting statement around it. God doesn't do miracles today. That's where you stand. And then, you know, you, you ever wonder why it is that people can read the Bible, know the Bible, even memorize the Bible, and still believe heresy? because they actually read the Bible to support their views instead of making their views conform to the Bible. You should be at the Bible, you should be opening up your Bible saying, whatever this Bible says, that's what I believe. Not trying to spin it to make it support what you already believe. But oftentimes what happens is, I'm closing out on knowledge right now, Christians choose the alternatives to knowledge. Remember this. Although most of you already know this, remember it. The Bible, the New Testament, is written to believers. It's written to the churches. It's not written to the unbelievers. So when you see staunch rebuke in the Bible to Christians, it's for you. But what, again, another heresy that many Christians form 
And many Christians proclaim, it's everything that's hard in the Bible is not for the believer. It's for the world. How's it for the world when it was written to the church? When it has a church address on it, like I'm about to read you out of Colossians chapter two, verse eight. How is this written to the world when it was written to the redeemed at the church? Nobody was reading, they weren't bringing this to the town square. Here, here be, here be. No, this was to the church. See to it, Colossians chapter two, verse eight. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. See to it that no one takes you captive. And it starts with a little leaven. That girl comes along. You know she ain't saved. And you're gonna let that leaven in to leaven the whole freaking lump? Same thing reverse, then the guy comes along. You know he's not saved, you aren't bringing him to me like I've told you to do. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we can form a line. I, I promise you right now, I'll do it. I'm out there every Sunday, a lot of you don't, you lot, you know, I just don't really feel connected to the pastor. You can feel connected to the pastor, I'm out there every Sunday. Yeah, you're not, we're not gonna have a, we're not gonna have a 10 minute conversation. You want that? You're gonna have to talk to Heather and schedule an appointment. I'm just telling you, you know what? I promise you, I will give your boyfriend 60 seconds. <laughs> Bring him to me. I have, a, I have a list of questions. It won't take but a minute. Do you wanna know whether he's saved or not? You obviously don't have the guts to do it, so give it to me. Bring him to me. I can determine whether you should be dating him or not, but you gotta give me final authority. You've gotta sign a waiver. Whatever Tom says goes. <laughs> but you won't do it because you want to date him more than you want to obey God. Right. You want the intimacy with him more than you want intimacy with God. You're forsaking the intimacy of God for the intimacy of him or her. Right. See to it that, what does it say here? Nothing? No, it says no one takes you captive. Right. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It says, who shall separate us? It calls, a fa it calls famine, who? Lack of provision, who? See to it that no one takes you captive because there's a demon behind it. That guy that's trying to date you because you just got saved, or that girl that is trying to date you because you just got saved, or maybe you've been quote unquote saved for a long time, is that all, it's kind of an ambiguous term these days because saved oftentimes just means uh, fresh starts and new beginnings. Um, we're just gonna be closing out the service this morning. We just wanna offer all those in the congregation today who need a fresh start and a new beginning. What does that even mean? So I don't know whether people are actually saved or their art church saved. But those people at the door have come up to me and said, what does ARC Church mean? Association of Related Churches. In other words, sermon.com. They all preach the same message. I've even caught it before. When I used to stalk churches back when I was a bitter pastor. <laughs> I told you, I wait, I'm 55. I wasted 50 of the 55 years. And I wasted a lot of them being bitter. But I... I, I 
flat out got the message. I can't remember which one it was, whether it was Sand and Stars or <laughs> Summer at the Movies or whatever it is. I actually listened to one pastor preach it, and I listened to another pastor preach it. I mean, Toy Story, remember that? Toy Story came out. These are all sermon series. I heard one pastor preach it, and I did it on purpose because I was not right with God. And I listened to the second pastor preach it. Same lines, same jokes, same voice inflection. Same enticement of jokes. Jeff knows it. Jeff tracked it at a church in California, right? Doing the exact same thing. Same voice, and same, same lines, same sort of silly lines. Like, you know, I like to say like fresh starts and new beginnings. The guy would do that, just like the other guy did. See, I can promise you this morning, you will not hear another message like this one anywhere in America. You won't. I follow the men that I follow, Rodney R. Brown, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, I follow those guys because they preach the gospel. They preach what God tells them to preach. You heard Josh say it up here, Josh Richter said it up here. There can't be just three great churches. There's more than three, but the three that I know of are ours, the River Church, and Revival Today Church. So there's other people that stood too, like Archer Pulaski in Canada, and Greg Locke, and people like that, so credit to them. I just haven't been to their churches, but I assume they're great. So see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Oh, let's just be a tolerating church. Let's be an accommodating church because if we tolerate and we accommodate, we'll keep them in the church and everybody goes to heaven. No, no. If you tolerate and you accommodate, you're telling them that sin is okay. You're actually winning them to hell. You're making them twice as much a son of hell as you are. Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. And remember this one. I'll finish with this and then we're gonna switch to another topic. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's 1 Timothy 4.1. Tom, these are negative things. They're not negative, they're true. There's no, there's no, when it comes to true, there's no pause, there's no neg. It's just true. If you want the negative truth to be positive, then install truth. That doesn't make sense to some of you. It needs to. Everything, you can fix anything with the truth. Now here, here's, the, here's the next, now we talked about knowledge. Now we're gonna talk about repentance. Because that's, that's what I just said. If you want to fix anything, install the truth. My wife doesn't like me. There's a reason why she doesn't like you. What is the reason or reasons? My husband can't stand to be around me. Find out why. You're like, Tom, why do you always go down this road? Because I was telling, I, I think I was, yeah, I think I was in a conversation with our entire family ends up in these group conversations. Me, Tommy, Norma, and Hope. We end up in these group conversations. Usually Tommy and Norma fight for a couple of minutes in the midst of it, and we have to quell that. But other than that, we have the group conversations. And I was just saying, and I actually named a couple 
couple couples in this church. Wolfgang's being one of them. Welcome home, you guys. I, I've hardly known anybody like the Wolfgangs who have a good marriage in the church. Like, no, and I feel like, no, we have a good No, I know the truth about your marriage. Your husband came and told me. Your wife came and told me. That's just your Christian portrait that you want everybody. You painted it like a Picasso. That's just the portrait that you have, that you want everybody to believe. But at home, it's miserable. Everybody is so like militarized right now, eyes forward. Nobody's looking to the right, nobody's looking to the left. If I address this today, then I ain't going fishing. Just go fishing, wife, go with them. Go with them. If I address this now, I'm not going on the boat today, I know that. Just go with them. Everybody go on the boat. Everybody on the boat. But there's always truth there. What's the truth? Are you a turd? Are you? You know whether you are or not, it smells. You know. I know when the cat's been to the litter box. It's on the way out our garage door. I know, I'm like, oh my word, what is that? Okay, the truth is, a turd is present. That's the truth. If I'm not careful, my dog will eat it. True. Just when you always think, man, he's the smartest dog in the world. Can't be smart and eat poop. So what are you gonna do? We're talking about repentance. What is repentance? What is it? It's a change of the mind. Now before, I want to, I want to lay this groundwork because I'm gonna say repentance 5,000 times. We'll be done about 12, I'll stop preaching around 12, 10, 12, 15. That is uh, 35 to 40 minutes from right now. You're like, how in the world am I gonna stay here that long? If you're real careful about it, you can't ease out the back. But you, most of the time I'm gonna notice, and there is a slight possibility I'll call you out. Slight, because I've been burned a few times, calling people out for leaving. It's rough when you gotta do that, when you have to go and find the couple that you blasted in the service and go apologize in person, which I've had to do. Pretty rough. But what is repentance? It's a change of mind. But let me tell you, because a lot of people go, well, I've changed my mind about sin, but I'm still sinning. Does everything have to be about hellfire and brimstone, Tom? Yeah, at the beginning. If you don't deal, deal with hellfire and brimstone, you ain't going to heaven. That's right. You don't stop sinning, you're not going to heaven. I don't care what the grace gospel preachers tell you. If we deliberately, just remember the verses. This is the installed truth. Use it to repent. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. That's the truth. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there's no sacrifice for sins left. There is no forgiveness. That's the truth. So you have to deal with hellfire and brimstone. Has your church told you to turn from sin? When you got saved, did your church tell you a prereq to be saved is to turn from sin? But Tom, 
Repentance is a change of the mind. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. So if you want to legitimately change your mind, it starts with changing your actions. Everybody flips those two things. They always flip, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change my heart and that's gonna change my actions. Wrong. Change your actions first. Faith without works is dead. So change your actions first. You want to revolutionize your life today? Take action. Prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship. Be nice for once in your life. Well, I'm just moody. That's our heritage. That's a lie. Let God be true and every man a liar. Take every thought, make it, make it, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. So understand that if you haven't stopped sinning, you haven't even attempted to repent. Understand that because a change of the mind comes through a change of action. So if you haven't stopped sinning, you haven't even tried to it. You haven't even attempted to repent. You're welcome. See how quiet it gets in here? I know, I know nobody preaches this stuff. I do. I, I preach what God tells me to preach. I sit down, I prayed over it, he gives me things, I make recordings, and I, pre and I write out messages. Now I hardly preach any of the stuff that I actually wrote, but I do write them out. So repentance is a change of mind brought about by a change of action. Repentance is stopping sinning via the changing of action, which leads to a change of mindset. It's not just sin, though. We're going to layer this out. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, now they've caught up with me now. Are they up? Oh, they just came down. What happened back there? Here we go. There we are. Looks different to me. That's weird. Okay. You're like, Tom, what goes through your mind? All sorts of things. I have to, like, shut a bunch of stuff out because I could go down tangents for the next 30 minutes. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The response to the kingdom of heaven is to change your mind through a change of actions. Now let's look at how important repentance is. Psalm 78, 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. So they turned back to their old ways. They repented, left Egypt, and then unrepented and went back to their old ways. What are you going back to when you do that? When you've turned, when you've repented, and now you double, double negative repent and go back, what are, you, what are you returning to? Old ways that didn't work. There's a reason why you got saved. Life wasn't good without Jesus. Amen. You know what, this is what floors me, is when people reinstall the stuff that God uninstalled. Very first thing God told me to stop doing was cussing. I'm not bringing it back under grace. I'm not telling you that you, outside of using the Lord's name in vain, I'm not telling you you're going to hell for cussing. I'm just telling you what the word of God says about cussing. 2 Timothy 2.16, but shun profane and vain babblings for they will increase unto more ungodliness. You reinstall the A word, word and like I told you last week, I miss with great fervency the A word, specifically. 
because I want to use dumb with it all the time. You know what you are? You're a dumb. In this world where people are masking 44 months into 15 days to flatten the curve, they're redoing it all in Australia. I told you. I told you it was going to happen. You know, how, you know what happened in Australia? See what I mean by tangents? It says nothing to do with repentance, but here I go anyway. They have a cruise ship in Australia with 3,500 people on it. 3,500. Now, they end up with what they call a dangerous outbreak of COVID on this cruise ship. Tom, when did this happen? 2021? No, 2022? No, 2023? Yeah, a week ago. They have an outbreak of dangerous COVID. Out of 3,500 people, eight of them have COVID. How do they know that it's COVID, not a common cold or the flu? The PCR test that they took, which is 97% inaccurate. Because the developer of the PCR test, Kerry Mullis said, never use them to diagnose a viral infection. And what do we do? Di- use them to diagnose a viral infection. So you're like, what, do, who, what, what is this guy? How does this guy know all this? Because I studied to show myself approved unto God. I actually read what the experts say. Not the propagandists. Well, the experts have to say this dangerous outbreak. They're calling, calling it the eighth wave. Maybe because it was on a cruise ship. So, so what do they tell them? What does everybody do on the ship? They did a deep clean. Because not only here, here, they, had, they, had, they had the COVID, but they also had the gastro. In other words, people had diarrhea on a cruise ship. Well, you know what? I'm going to be too gross here. But... Depending on what I eat, that would probably be my perpetual state on a cruise ship. I have a tendency to overindulge. But I digress. So five people with gastro, eight people with COVID, that's their eighth wave. Now what do they do? Everybody masks. Size of a COVID particle, 0.06 to 0.14 microns. An N95 mask starts blocking particles three times that size. So it is a a picket fence, a chain link fence, trying to stop a mosquito. But everybody does it anyway, because we're all gonna play pretend. We're all gonna go back to when we were 10 years old, had our cap guns, you went pow, 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 and you fell down dead. That's all this is. But here it comes again, and then, they do what's called a deep clean for an infection that's airborne. That does nothing. It's not, con- it's not transmitted via contact. It's in the air, numb nuts. But we're gonna do a deep clean anyway. So eight people get off the boat who are sick, and it's national news, because we're all going to play pretend again. I'm not going to get into the agendas behind it again. That would be the end of this message, and I've only got 30 minutes left. I'm not going to do it. But those are a bunch of people who have conformed to the pattern of this world. And so do all the Christians. They put on their masks, cut a little, you kind of rate, they actually were, they were as tedious and as committed as Jesus was when he, in John chapter two, verse 15, where he wove a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple. 
These people at churches that have the same looking websites, sing the same songs we do, even have the same testimonies of quote unquote faith, they actually went, they actually processed, sat down with masks and cut holes in them so that their flute players could play songs through their mask. How are you able to suck oxygen into your pie hole being that stupid? And you're like, Tom, you're mean. No, listen, the only difference between me and them is I've acknowledged my stupidity. I've repented of my stupidity. They're still living in their stupidity. How many COVID-caving pastors have ever come out and said they were wrong? I've heard one congressman and one conservative pundit say they were wrong. Dan Bongino and Chip Roy, that's it. Not one pastor, not one pastor, even the ones I love. They've never come out and said I was wrong. They, they say things like, I'm gonna tell you, I'm never gonna get to it, I wish I could, but there's a big difference as part of the message, but I'm one page into a 20 page message and I've got 29 minutes to go. There's a big difference between acknowledgement and confession. Oh, I acknowledge it. No, how about confessing it? Men, look at me, men, men, look at me. All just men, this is just for the men. You wanna fix things with your wife? Stop acknowledging and start confessing. I've acknowledged it, I acknowledge it. She knows I love her. You better start confessing it. Numb nuts. It's a big difference between acknowledging and confessing. Well, I, I acted like I was wrong. Did you confess that you were wrong? See, you just look, you don't think, again, you don't think I'm looking at your faces. That's all I'm looking at are your faces. You should see the stone, cold stares that I'm seeing. That's because you, you, you have a heart of stone instead of a pliable heart of flesh. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Change of mind. You don't need counsel. Do it now. Yea, they turned back and tempted God because they returned to their old ways, their old habits that don't work, their old traditions that don't work. What are you missing? What are you missing if you don't repent? Hebrews chapter four, verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. How many of you want to enter rest? How many of you are tired of being broke? How many, how many of you are tired of depression, of anxiety, of worrying about the world? How many of you are tired of sickness, illness, or disease, or oppression, or possession? How many of you are tired of it? Don't you want to enter into his rest? I do. I'm not 100% there yet. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest of God, to know and experience, this is the amplified version, to know and experience it for ourselves so that no one will fall by falling into the same example of disobedience as those who died in the wilderness. They turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You want his rest? You gotta make a 180 degree turn. In the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You must take violent action. Remember, violence doesn't just mean physical aggression or pounding on somebody, assaulting somebody. It doesn't mean that, especially in the Bible. What it means is assertive action. Right. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Right. A violent action is repentance, a 180 degree turn now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, no more, not one more second of it. 
You're like, Tom, what do you mean by it? Whatever it is for you, you already know. You already know. I can't speak to you individually. It's again, like I tell you all the time. People come up to me and they say, Tom, what can we do at the church? I don't know. First of all, I don't even know how to turn the lights on here. I don't know what happens here. Honestly, if this, if this, if this mic shuts off, what am I going to do? I'll start crying for Aaron. Aaron, help me. Same in the pocket. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm called to do what I'm called to do. I don't know what you're called to do, so don't come up and ask me what you're called to do. It's again, it's the same thing. People want a corporate vision. Well, what is the vision of the church? There isn't one. There's an individual vision for you. And that, to, that if you do your vision, again, that, that's right out of Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into whom it is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined in it together, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's how it works. What's the corporate vision of Foundation Church? Nothing. My corporate vision is to install in you God's individual vision for you. What are you called to do? Just like with the Richters. I told them, what is God calling you to do? Say it out loud. God opened the door. That's the core. But what people do is they, they don't abide in the individual counsel that's given to them, and they come up and they say, it's, it's, it'd be like if you owned a Chick-fil-A. What's it cost to start a Chick-fil-A? $5,000. That's what it costs. That's it. You buy into their car. You have to be selected and go through all those processes. Five grand. But if you do, then you have to run the restaurant their way. But say you didn't run it their way, and then you go to corporate. I want a corporate vision. Uh, we told you. This day you do this, this day you do that. Are you doing any of this? No, but what's the corporate vision? Just told you the corporate vision. This day you do this, and this day you do that. Christians do it all the time. They want a grandiose sort of vision. Instead of step by step, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. He'll tell you what to do. He has Psalm 119, 105. But instead, they'll come to me and go, uh, what's the corporate vision for the church? Or what can I do here? I don't know. What's God called you to do? And a lot of times, the thing is, God has a, du- has a duplicitous calling. Like he'll call you to serve first. Thomas, did you launch into being a pastor? You know, you don't know what I launched into being? I'm not sure. That's so how I launched into being. It was great, too, because I was, you know, like 20, 24 and single. <laughs> I was close to 300 pounds, but, I mean, I was 24. They called it three bills and single. <laughs> Quiet, Aaron. Three bills and single and ready to mingle. But I had, like, a bird's-eye view of all the women in the church, and then Hope instantly fell in love with me. So... <laughs> She could not resist all this. It's impossible. You cannot resist it. Like a moth to a flame. Notice I'm not making eye contact with her right now. <laughs> moth to a flame. Instant, instant, instant attraction, instant love. Actually, the first time she met me, she went home to her mom and said, you know, he'll be a good friend. I don't really see us dating, but he's a good friend. He's funny. He'll be a good friend. It's all part of the plan. 
All part of the friend. Yeah, people, listen. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but. <laughs> people downplay, you know, getting in the friend zone. I'm telling you, friend zone's better than no zone. <laughs> oh, that guy broke your heart? <laughs> right here, honey. But. There you go. That helped out some of you this morning. Well, you're, well, yeah, it's still morning. There you go. Still help out. So we need to make every effort to enter that rest. Yeah, but this is all grace. No, you, there's effort required. Faith without works is dead. You're not going to, we need to make every effort to enter that rest. Luke 9, 62. And Jesus said unto them, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Once you've repented, stay there. Don't go back. You're not fit for the kingdom of God if you go back. Galatians 1.6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into a different gospel. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. What were they doing? Lopping off foreskins again? Some of you can't take this, I know. It's the truth. You need to be able to take foreskin from the pulpit considering that our culture that you need to be fighting against for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, right? We have hospitals lopping off penises, testicles, and breasts of 12-year-olds. You need to be okay with talking about circumcision. Especially when Paul told the church, the people that were against him in the church, that were advocating for circumcision, in other words, go back to religion, unrepenting. He told him, I wish you'd just go ahead and lop your testicles off. He did. That's what he said. He used the word emasculate. It's the same thing. You're welcome. It's the truth. See, if it, does this seem evil to you? It's the truth. It shouldn't seem evil to you. You can judge me when I start telling you to shove stuff up your caboose. That is not biblical. Yeah, go ahead. I've had people judge me in this church, judge me. I really don't think Tom should be telling people to shove vaccines up their caboose. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the cafe that's named after. You see the caboose cafe? That was Terry Richardson made that up, right? Was it Terry? Was it Heather? Oh, she's not here. Somebody made it up. That's what it is. That's what it's named after. So when you're eating back there. And again, I'll make this plea to you. Some of you need to stay and eat. I don't have any friends. Okay, that's because that's the seed you sow into the ground. You dart out the back door. Or the front door, I guess that is. You dart out. That's why you have no friends. When I don't have friends, you know what I do? I go hang around with people. And lo and behold, I get friends. And that's complicated, isn't it? Stay where you can just go home and live in depression. I don't understand. You do understand. Wide open, free food. And this is not garbage food. Free. No, there's, there's a bucket back there for a donation. There's no, there's no bucket. We don't even take an offering at this church. Where's the offering? 
Eddie, are you going to be doing the offering later on? No, he's just, he, there he is. That's, that's no offering. You don't take an offering. I'm perfectly fine with all churches to take offerings. I just never have and probably never will. But I'm just telling you, why are you not back there? I don't really have time. Or, you know what, I don't really feel connected with the pastor. We'll stand in line and we'll hug it up. <laughs> I'll hug everybody. I hug everybody, especially now. I was already, always a hugger anyway, but at post, post-COVID, during COVID, all the COVID stuff, I, especially, I, I, do, I do things out of spite. I can't take vengeance, but I, I do things out of spite. You see, I'm going to live in perfect health to 120, just out of spite, just to show everybody that the AMA are a bunch of goofballs. How is it that third world countries are outliving Americans by 30 years? See, a lot of you in this room, you think you're old when you're 70. You have 50 years to go, according to the Bible. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. I can launch on that, but I'm not going to do it. Galatians 1, 9. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other... That's awfully prideful. That's so prideful. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be cursed. Let him be accursed. That's awfully prideful of you, Paul. The greatest soul winner on planet Earth that's ever been. It's awfully prideful of you to say that there's only one way. But the problem is in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said the exact same thing. You are not to add or to subtract to the word, uh, to the word of God. Revelation 22, 18 and 19. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6. You do not add or subtract. Deuteronomy 4, 1 and 2. It's all there. Old and New Testament. You don't add. You don't have the right. We, a lot of us, we need to say it out loud. We need to confess it. I'm not God. I'm a worshiper of God. I'm not like the devil in trying to ascend to the Most High. I worship at the footstool of the Most High. I'm a worshiper. I'm not the worshiped. So why are you setting precedent? Why? A lot of us do that, and that's how we live. I'll use some of my favorite terms. Mom ain't happy, a whole house ain't happy. That's not the Bible. And there's men that use that as an excuse to be scared of their wife. And there's women who use that as an excuse to be lord over their house. I'm going to manipulate this entire house with my mood. And it go flip side too. Obviously men can do the same thing. See how quiet it gets? Stop manipulating. Repent. 180 degree turn. Now this is not just about sin and compromise. Let me show you how it works as far as wellness. How many of you need healing of any kind? I don't care whether it's a cavity. I don't care what it is. You need healing. Mental or physical. Here's how you do it. 2 Kings chapter 21 through 7. Aaron loves when I preach this. This is his favorite thing that I preach. Hezekiah. One of the greatest kings ever in the history of, of, of Judah. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Everybody hear that? Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Now who said it? Two people. God and Isaiah. 
kind of some big names. What was Hezekiah's response? You're thinking, God said it, so it's over. Is that? What's greater than his name? Psalm 138, too. I'll worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. God says you're finished. You will die and you will not recover. Tells his prophet to tell his king you're dead. What, is, what was Hezekiah's response? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He turned his back on Isaiah and planted his face against the wall because he knew the word of God who takes up your infirmities and heals all of your diseases. That's repenting. He made a 180 degree turn from Isaiah and put his nose against the wall. Do you see that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force? Well, you'll turn your back on Isaiah. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. I will heal you. God just sentenced him to death. And God, Jeremiah 26, 19, repented because he stood in the word of God. Remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart. I don't know why I ball every time I preach this thing. I ball. Before Isaiah left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I've heard your prayers and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. Is that your stand in Christianity? Are you like that? Or are, you, or, or are you placid and neutral? Come what may. God has a plan. God's plan is his word that you have to implement. The plan is you implementing the word. If you don't, God's plan is not happening in your life. It's not unfolding unless you are implementing. There is no great ambiguous plan. The specific plan is you read, you do. You read, you confess. Repentance is all about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. Think on these things. Think on these things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Colossians 3, 2. Above all else, above, about Above all, it's a different verse. This is the verse I want to use. 
So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm trying to read my own writing here. No, it's just a part of another verse. So let me ask you this. Is this your mindset? What I'm about to read to you out of Matthew chapter 10, 7 and 8. Is this your mindset? And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. So ask yourself, now we, and I love all of you that amen. I'm not bashing you. I don't know where you stand. But we amen verses like that, but we never do them. So what is that? If we amen it and never do it, so we say, so be it, and it never be, then what have we become? Religious people. We just believe mythology, the mythology of Christianity. That's the lifestyle of the believer. As ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, now give it away. But all we do in modern Christianity is receive. Receive, that's why we get bored, and then we fall into Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through all of the deceptive philosophies. We make ourselves vulnerable to that because we're bored in Christianity. There's never a reason to be bored when you're healing the sick and cleansing the lepers and driving out demons and raising the dead. Is that your mindset? If it is not, change your thoughts. Most of us, oh, I'm gonna wait because I have a list and I'm gonna close with it. I have a most of us list for everybody. You'll really enjoy that one. <laughs> is your relationship with God a relationship of transferred power and authority? This is what I launched with. I told you we'd get to it. I've actually kept my word for once. I actually got to it. Is that your, look at me now. Is that your relationship with God? Or is it being the nicest one in the room? I'm the nicest one in the room. I'm not telling you not to be the nicest one in the room. I'm just telling you that is not a relationship with God. Anybody can be the nicest one in the room. A lot of times everybody wants to be the nicest one in the room because it's a prideful thing. I'm the nicest one in the room. It's called self-righteousness. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I'm the nicest one in the room. Whoop-de-doo. That's how the mass thing started. I'm the nicest one in the room. Look at me, save grandma. You know, one of the last, one of the things about Australia, in order for you to be fully protected, how many vaccines do you have to have now? Anybody know? Seven vaccinations in four years. Really, since 2021, so two years, two and a half years. Got to be fully protected, though. Lord forbid you actually bind and loose as you're commanded to do. Amen. And I've watched plenty of churches pimp and whore the vaccines. So again, I'm not going to digress into. Is your relationship with God a relationship of his power being transferred to you? Seven minutes to go. Everybody with me? Stay with me. You got to hear this. You got to hear it. It's vital. And then I'm going to get to my list. Is that your relationship? Because that's the relationship that Jesus infers. Not I'm giving my love to you. No, you're governed by love. God is love, so you're governed by God. 
But the relationship is one of transferred power and authority. You, when you walk into the room and you're the Christian in the room, you are the power, you are the authority. You need to look at it that way. I do. Yes, oftentimes when I walk in the room, the interpretation of many people is Darth Vader music. Bum, 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 bum. It's not true though. I'm just coming with power and authority. Let's see, if you're, if you're full of crap, I'm gonna tell you, you're full of crap. It's power and authority. Remember what, what, what was some of the first questions asked about Jesus? How does he speak with such authority? They were bothered by it. Are you bothered by authority? It's because you have a Pharisaic nature. Bothers you. That's why everybody, they don't like, all, all these beta, neutered men hate Donald Trump. Well, I don't care what you think of him. I'm just telling you, that's why, because he actually says stuff they, they, they're too scared to say. If I say build a wall, everyone's gonna call me a racist. Well, should a wall be built or not? Yes, a wall should be built. So you know what? Let them call you racist. You know what? I don't think that, I don't really think that a 13-year-old should go and have his penis cut off. I'll say it. The beta male pastors won't say it. I'll say it. I don't think your kid is bipolar. I don't think he's ADHD. I think he's poorly parented. I've told you this before, I'm gonna tell you again. I was always a miracle, when I was a cop, I was a miracle worker with these kids who were bipolar and ADHD. Miracle worker. Is there, they farm them all off into their own classrooms and isolate them from everybody else, right? Because nobody will discipline them, took the paddles out of school and everything else. That fixed my hide. I got paddled a bunch of times in Lemonbay High School. They gave you a choice at Lemonbay High School. Three days of internal suspension and three whacks. Three days of internal suspension with my dad, who was a teacher at the school, and my mom, who was a teacher at the school. Uh, I'll take the paddling, please. But I was always a miracle worker with these kids. Because I'd go in there, they wouldn't behave for anybody. I just unsnapped my handcuff case. They were, they'd found this, the peace of God. They, they entered into his rest. Miracle worker, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. We solved their problem. Parents couldn't solve it, so I solved it. I told you this before, but I was at Venice Middle School and the kid came up, was out of, going, out of, going out of his mind in the front office. Parents were sitting there like this. He was like, kid was probably 250 pounds. He was in middle school, but he was my, almost my height. He was about up to here. Big kid. He's a little too old to be in middle school, probably you know, a year or two past where he should have been. Going nuts. So he comes, I tell him to sit down and shut up. Hey, Tom, you talk to people? Yeah, I don't care. He came up and spit, spit in my face, right between the eyes. I remember his spit, his warm spit, you know, because spit's 98 degrees, right? The room's 75, spit's 98, so you really feel it. And it was hit me right between the eyes and rolled down my nose. And I took that kid. <laughs> he was about here, and I just bull rushed him. 
My forearm was underneath his chin and smashed him up against the wall, threw him down, and arrested him for battering a law enforcement officer. Now that kid, whose name was Scott, we went through, because I was the SRO at Venice Middle School, and I went to be the SRO at Venice High School. He never gave me a problem again the rest of his life. Whenever I walked in, he was great. Matter of fact, he was way better throughout the rest of his whole school career, because he repented. I was willing to take action. Where were you at, Dad? Did you get snipped and nobody tell you? Is that what happened? You get snippety doodad and nobody told you? Because why in the world? Yeah, why in the world is that going on? <laughs> That's all you're gonna remember, snippety doodah. That's all you remember. Just you won't remember the rest of the message. That's what you'll remember. But just remember, you're supposed to have a relationship with the Jesus that is based on transferred power and authority. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give unto you authority. Not behold, I give unto you love and grace and tolerance and accommodation. I give unto you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Then he gathered his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Luke chapter nine, verse one. It's 10, 19 and nine, one out of Luke. Write them down. And most of you know the verse, Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you shall receive what? Power. That's it, power. Solve people's problems when the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. And a lot of you don't wanna be Pentecostal. Oh, I don't wanna pray the Holy Ghost comes upon me because I was told by Charles Stanley that that, was, that, was, that ended in the book of Acts. That's not a Bible verse. Why are you basing something on what Charles Stanley says? Let alone what his son says. Because that's not a son that will set you free. That's all I'll say, Lord. I've, I've got the list ready, so, but I, that was in all of 2020. In most of 2021, I was blasting pastors by name from this pulpit without correction of the Holy Ghost. But then I got corrected, and I had a conversation with Pastor Rodney, and I knew that it was time. It's not because it was Pastor Rodney that said it, it was just that I knew that God was speaking through me, because I was speaking through him to me, when he came and put his arm around me and said, listen, listen. And when Pastor Rodney says, listen, you know what you do? You, you listen, you wanna talk? See now, Pastor Rodney, this is an example, what does he operate in? Love, accommodance, grace, power, and then all the grace and love comes through the power and the authority. You need, to go to a, you need to go to a conference up there, and you'll see it. And you'll see it here as we continue to break out in power and authority. But he put his arm around me and said, listen, listen, Tom, they don't know. As he went and talked, to, I'm talking about the biggest names in Christianity because he's one of the biggest names in Christianity. So he went and talked. I mean, I'm talking, I won't name names. I, he told me the names, but I'm like, these are the biggest names in Christianity. One of them came up to him. Everyone, this person, everybody in this room knows, came up to him and said, listen, and this is 
18 months into it. So this is what, March? So like basically fall of 2021. Pastor had no clue. One of the largest churches in America went up to Pastor Ronnie and said, you know what, I'm starting to think this is, a, this is about more than just a virus. So he came up to me and he said, listen, they don't know. So I'm like, all right, for now, for now. If God lets me loose, the names are coming again. <laughs> if, if you put out a conference, you put out a publicity for a conference as a Christian, where you are having married gay men speak on their relationship with Jesus, then I'm gonna speak it. By name, Andy Stanley. You're not gonna badmouth my Jesus or my church. So here's where I'll finish. Is Christianity to you one of transfer to power and authority or is Christianity to you being the nice one in the room, the impartial one in the room, the reasonable one, Oh, I got, you know, everybody in my family, they think I'm the reasonable one. Whoopsie freaking do. <laughs> Who cares that you're the reasonable one? People are going to hell all around you. You're, the re you're reasonable with them as they go to hell. Why not lose the relationship? He didn't come to bring peace on earth. He came to bring a sword. He came to turn him, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Man's enemies will be members of his own household, Matthew 10, 34 through 36. I'm not telling you to just purposely offend or purposely hurt, but you know when the time to speak is. You know. No, I'd just rather be the reasonable one in the room. Nobody thinks of me that way in my family. I'm the only one saved in my entire family. Nobody thinks I'm reasonable. Nobody calls me and asks, hey, uh, you know, I'm thinking about moving in with my boyfriend, Tom. What do you think? That's two of my family members. Everybody lives with everybody. Nobody asks me my opinion. I'm not reasonable. I'm loving because I follow God who is love. I'm not reasonable. Is your Christianity being compliant? Of course there's situational compliance. But when the spirit of the world is telling you to do something, you don't comply. If it's stupid, don't do it. Yeah, but there's consequences, societal consequences, and people call me transphobic, who cares? They'll call me a racist. Of course they're going to call you a racist. It's just a weapon. I, I'm a, I, I get called racist because I don't even know why. I don't even say talk about race, but I get called racist. I'm the one who's trying to save all the black children from abortion. I obviously want more black people on earth. I don't want 400,000 of them killed a year. But the non-racists are the one. The non-racists are the ones who put a Planned Parenthood on every urban corner in America. So you don't, why are you worried about what the abortionist thinks? No, Tom, let's not lapse into politics. Butchering children is to the tune of 41.2 million a year worldwide, which has never changed. 
Talk about COVID with 5 million people they say died. 5 million in one year. 5 million over a three, four year period of 44 months and 15 days to flatten the curve. In every one of those years. You know how many kids died in 2020? 41.2 million. 2021, 41.2 million. You want to talk about Hamas? They're going to save, you, you care about, all the, all the abortionists trying to save uh, Gazan children? You don't, what was in Gaza? Aaron and I put it, played it on the podcast. What was in Gaza? It got bombed by the Israelis. Planned Parenthood. It was. On the Gaza Strip. Allegedly, we're the ones who are trying to, are committing some sort of genocide? No, the ones who are claiming that they want to stop genocide are committing the genocide. Now I've gone over. I'm six minutes over. But I have to do this list. Otherwise, I won't be happy with myself. Because this is fun. For me, it's fun. It's going to offend you, though. Be ready. It might offend you. If you're a religious person, this last five minutes is going to offend you. (laughs) Is Christianity to you a relationship of transferred power and authority, or is it going to the latest Christian movie release? And I was going to compile a list of them because Aaron's like, yeah, you should. I, listen, I really mean this. In this specific instance, I'm not trying to offend you. Because people come up to me and say, oh, Tom, have you seen? I'm try- I have one in my name. I don't want to say that. Because I appreciate Christians putting out Christian content. If it's really Christianity. Which most of the time it's not. It's really, most of the Christian movies are where Jesus comforts you after you've screwed up your life. That's all Jesus does. After you've ruined your life, Jesus shows up and comforts you and enables you to live in defeat. You can be comfortable in defeat. That's most of these Christian movies. I'm just so comforted that I lost everything. This person died, now I'm comforted. I lost all my wealth, now I'm comforted. These tragedies happened, I could have bound but now Jesus will comfort me. See how quiet it gets in here? It's because you still kind of, I mean, there, gosh, there's in my head. I'm not going to say it. I got to, I can't. Because I don't know. I never go see him, so I don't know what's in him, so I don't want to badmouth him. But I just have people come up to me, Tom, have you seen the A or the B? It's so good. But you, nothing ever changes with you. Yeah, you saw the movie, but let's go back to Matthew 10, 7, and 10, 8. As you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. You saw the A or the B, but you don't do anything with it. You are inspired for a moment, which is nothing more than gas. Okay, you're inspired. I mean... You're inspired for a moment. So what? That's most people's Christianity. You're going to Christian conferences or concerts. Why do I go to conferences at the river? For the power and the authority to actually have intimacy with God. Last thing, worship team, make your way. Now you can trust that I'm gonna close. Here they come. I kind of let them migrate so you watch me and not them. Because you got to hear this last part, because this is really the most offensive part. <laughs> so I have Christians come up to me because their relationship is not one of power and authority. 
The relationship is one of going to the latest Christian release, Christian conference, Christian concert. Then I have people come up to me and say, talk, talk to me about missions trips. Have you ever been on a missions trip? It changed your life. I don't want your life. Why would I go on a mission trip to have your life? For me to assume what you have. Again, that would be like a fat person telling you, this is how I eat. Why would I want to know that's how you eat? Or a muscleless man saying, um, this is how I build muscle. Why would I want to know? Tommy, you're saying mission trips are bad? No, I'm saying that Christians have made them religious. As if it's some sort of passion, uh, some sort of, uh, uh, of, almost like a trip to Mecca, a passageway. I'm sick of the religion. It needs to be repented of. Why are you picking on these things? Because this is what came to my mind. So people will say, you gotta go on a mission trip. Why? Didn't change you. There's no lepers being cleansed, no dead being raised, no sick being healed. You don't even bring anybody, you've never brought a soul to church. I know a woman who was this big espouser of mission trips, never brought a soul to church in her life. I just think that's really, she got so mad at me because I preached this more than once. This is like the fourth time I've said this in church. I like to get it out every once, once a year-ish so people don't come up. Listen, and we give money to mission trips. We give money to missions. I just don't like how it becomes a religion. It can change your life, but in and of itself, it doesn't change your life. What changes your life? And, if, and what changes your life is the word of God. So if you believe that a Christian movie, the blank, it's gonna change your life. You are Mark 7.13ing up the operation. You're making the word of God of no effect to your tradition. Mission trip's gonna change you. A, a concert's gonna change you. A conference is gonna change you. The latest Christian release is gonna change you. Going on a mission trip, no, no. The word of God will change you. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Amen? Amen. All right, I am 12 minutes into overtime. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I'm gonna make this quick. If you need to get your life right with God, there's two separate categories that you can be in. You've never been saved before, or you've been saved and you've fallen away from the faith. Tom, I was taught that's impossible then tell me why there are two chapters in the Bible entitled, The Great Falling Away from the Faith. Don't believe religion, believe the gospel. So if you have gotten saved before, but you know, and I'm not talking about you struggle with sin, you get it right, you sin, you get it right, you sin, you get it right. That's vacillating, that's struggling with sin, that's not concession to sin. I'm talking about you falling into a lifestyle of sin. You moved in with a girl, you're addicted to pornography, you're addicted to alcohol, whatever it is. That's a hell-bound state to be in. I don't care what the Calvinists tell you. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. You heard me quote it earlier out of Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. If that's you, you need to get your life right with God. You need to recommit yourself to the Lord right now, not later, now. Maybe you've never been saved. Maybe people think that you're saved around you right now. They think you're saved, but you know you're not. Maybe you're not even interested about what people think, but you aren't saved. What does saved mean? It means lumping all of your sin debt 
under the shoulders of Jesus, the propitiation of, for our sin, the sacrifice for our sins. Or you can let Jesus answer for your sin because he went down to death, hell, and the grave for you. He answered for your sin himself. He became the propitiation for your sin. You can let him answer for your sin or you can answer for your sin in an eternity in hell. I know this is way different than a lot of people than what they've experienced in church. I know that. But this is the Bible. This is how you will be judged. Why do we make church different than the Bible? And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Who's going to pay for your sins, Jesus or you? If you pay for them, it's an eternity in hell. If he pays for them, it's an eternity in heaven. Simple as that. If you will receive him as Lord and Savior. In other words, you simply ask for the forgiveness of your sin through what Jesus did on the cross. And you turn from your sinful lifestyle, you're saved. You don't even have to go to this church again. I'm not going to ask you to sign on the bottom, bottom line. I'm not going to take memberships. I'm just telling you, this is how to be in right standing with God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you knew that as I was talking, that it was you. You already know that it's you. Nobody's gonna embarrass you. Nobody's gonna bring you forward. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing any of those things, but this is not what we're gonna do this morning, this afternoon. All I'm gonna ask you to do is do two things and you're gonna stay seated the entire time. Nobody knows but me, you, and God. I'm your accountability. If you know that you need to get your life right with God and you are ready to be forgiven, you're ready to be born again, you are ready to be saved, if that's you, stretch your hand proudly into the air right now. Come on, come on, proudly, got you. Got you to my left, got you, got you. Lots and lots of hands, got you, got you. You can put them down. Those of you that lifted up your hands, the entire church is gonna pray this prayer out loud with you. You pray it, you mean it, you're forgiven, you're saved. Here we go, out loud, everybody. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' name. Church shouts, there it is, amen, amen.